0: Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima.
1: Hello, my little sweetness. How's my man.
0: Good. So due to technical difficulties, this has been pre-recorded uh, earlier than usual. And <laughs> I think, I don't know what we're going to do next week because the laptop is going to be in the shop um, because I wasn't paying attention. And I had my laptop on the convection oven and then I forgot uh bought my laptop and turned on the convection oven and then now the laptop is roasty toasty and cozy yeah. and <laughs> uh, the battery is shot so we have to take it in but everything else seems to be working fine.
1: You know we we all do stuff like that at one time or in or another, especially you know technology today and you know like so like cell phones falling in the toilets oh, and things yeah. like that. <clears> I was <throat> I was reading an article about it, and this woman who wrote the article said she always carries a bag of rice with her because inevitably something like that happens to her phone and she just throws it right into the bag of rice. But um, I remember when I was teaching Hebrew school, and there, the, um, the Hebrew school was having this, uh, you know, the candy sale. Like they'll have, yeah. these, they sell the chocolate bars. So, Pat, why is it as soon as I'm on the phone, like a two year old, you need my attention?
0: Because she loves you,
1: I feel yeah. like I'm dealing with a two, two-year-old sometimes. I think they have the, I think they have the same intelligence. Yes, yes, dear. Okay, okay. Enough, enough. There we go. Okay. So, right. um, the principal was passing out the um packets of chocolates to the kids, you know, to sell them. And there was this boy in our class who was, ah, well, he was on the fat side. Let's put it that way. Soft. Yeah. So. He um yes, she so he um she's handing him the chocolate and as she hands it to him she says, I don't want to have happen what happened last year. And the whole class started laughing. And so I asked him well, what happened. He said what happened was when he was driving home from Hebrew school, he didn't want to put the chocolates on his lap. He had some books there, he didn't want to put them on the floor because they they were knapsacks. So he put them down where he was sitting and sat on top of them. Oh gosh. <laughs> and when he got them, <laughs> the whole packet was like totally melted and smoldered, and, you know, totally ensemble.
0: Yeah, I keep on thinking of times where, like, I know we mentioned this in the podcast earlier, like a couple, you know, episodes ago, like a while ago. um Like as a kid, I would just like forget certain items and whatnot, like a block of cheese I was eating and then forgot about it outside for a day or two, (laughs) you know, or it would be like, I I, I would have major problems forgetting things. And then Tati showed me a few things, a few tricks. One, as soon as it enters your mind and it's capable, just do it right away. Do the thing you need to do right away. Also speak to yourself in a positive light. Like don't say, don't forget, say, I will remember. Mm. And and when you say I will remember, it, it's a higher probability of you actually remembering and being and getting things taken care of.
1: Um, I remember it's very very often that my mother would ask my father for something that he was supposed to be responsible for putting away somewhere, and he said, "I remember I put it in a very good place, <laughs> so I wouldn't forget it." He would say, well, "Where is it?" it was, oh, I forgot. <laughs> "I
0: forgot." Mean,
1: Paul, Har- Paul Harvey. Yeah. Was this um, many? I think many people my age bracket remember Paul Harvey. He was a radio personality.
0: Mm-hmm. As
1: a matter, he wrote a book called "The Rest of the Story." He was also an interesting historical researcher, where he would re- research all these like interesting tidbits of history to find out what was the real story and what really happened in the end. Yeah, and he would have a po- He had a broadcast like that called "The Rest of the Story." Usually, his broadcasts were about current events of the day and his and it was news and commentary but he had a funny story where this um man was hired to be a like one of these troubleshooters
0: mm-hmm. in a
1: computer company this was way back i think in the 90s when the dot com industry really started taking off and commun- and computers were really perfected and companies were switching over computerizing everything so the, this really happened so this woman something was wrong with the computer she calls the computer company, the troubleshooter line. And he says, Well, you know, did you check all the pug, Make sure all the plugs are totally plugged in. Yes. That's uh, plugged into the wall. Yes. Um, check that he went through like a homeless list with her. And then he said, Um, well, what um he says, you know, well, what's the matter? I mean, if it's plugged in and everything's okay, well, you know, what could possibly be the problem, do you think? And she says, Well, the building is without any electricity
0: oh gosh
1: so he (laughs) says to her this is serious he says he goes she says yeah he says this is very serious because you're gonna have to pack up that whole the whole computer pack it up in a box take it back to the computer company return it to them and tell them you're too stupid to know how to use the computer oh gosh (laughs) he got fired for it
0: yeah yeah i would think
1: we had the one though about the coffee cup, the hard drive.
0: Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, we that talked about that. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I one of the things also I was told, and I do this all the time, is if I need to remember something, I go ahead and I put it on my calendar, or I set an alarm for it, mm-hmm. and that's how I try to remember everything that's been going on. Um, but sometimes it just it just gets like. I guess overwhelming when I have a lot of things on my mind. Um, like I realized that like I was working on some stuff and there was a lot of information I was getting a hold of. And without me thinking, I was writing down numbers and, and, and putting information down and realizing that I wrote it wrong. And I'm mm. like, wow. Mm-hmm. I need to rec-, and, and what it is.
1: I've had that. Yeah.
0: If there's so, because there's so much to do. You're so, I don't know, so worked up and you have so much stress that like you need to stop and take a break. You know. I know
1: yeah, I know what you I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm trying to think of what I'm trying kind to think of everything like, in my mind, I said I know that there has to be something that I have done.
0: Oh, there probably was something like when you were teaching or anything like that, right? Did you ever forget the keys somewhere or
1: Oh my oh my god, don't ask. Oh my gosh. There was um uh what happened was I had it was um, right before last year, right before Pesach, mm-hmm. and I was like one of the last people to, live to leave the building. And um, friends of mine told me, like, I used to put my, I ca- I have like a little wheelie that I take to work because I take a lot of things. I have have a you know I have a sweater that I take with me because sometimes the building can be a little cold. I have an apron because I work with babies. You know what I mean? So yeah. you need to have wear something like a smock or an apron. I have, I take my lunch, I take water, I take juice with me. So I was carrying it in a big pocketbook and it was starting to hurt my shoulder. My doctor said, he suggested I use like one of these small wheelies. He said that way, you know, you can just wheel, you you know, be less strain on your shoulder. So I would just take my cell phone and the very front compartment of the wheelie, I would just stick it in there and, you know, just go out with it. And a couple of people told me, you know, you, you should really zip up that front compartment, I go, Oh, come on. Cause I'm just, I'm, t- I'm just going to my car, as soon as yeah. I get my car. i just, I'm going to, you know, just take out my cell phone. I put my cell phone in there and I go out of the building. And this is one of these secure buildings where once you go out, you know, we, um, the, they didn't, it, at, at, in fact, after that, they issued us these little cards or you could get back in the building you could swipe to get back in the building. And I think this, because of this incident, this is why they issued it. So, but we didn't have that. And so this is everyone's out of the building. It's going to be a week before that end of the building is going to be opened again. I go to my car, my cell phone's gone. Oh gosh. I go, Oh my God. I said, what did I do with it? I thought, did I leave it in the bathroom? Did I leave it back in the classroom? What did I do? So I turn around and I can't open up the door. Door is secured. It's closed. It's locked. Um, I go to the middle, to the school where we share the building with, like a public charter school. So I go to that office and ask, is there anybody in here that can open up that building for me? I told them what happened. And the lady called a few people and she says, I'm sorry, we don't have access to that building at all. I asked, She asked the security guard. And the security guard said, no, he couldn't. But then he remembered, he goes, I think the cleanup crew came in a little while ago. He says, go around to the other side of the building, buzz it. And they might be able to buzz you in. So I ran around to the other end of the building. I buzzed. Sure enough, the cleanup crew was there. And they Mm -hmm. buzzed me in. Whoa. So I'm looking. I'm going crazy. I'm looking in every single classroom that I've been, every place I've been. Can't find it. Can't find it. Can't find it. I finally decide to go down the steps. trace Trace my steps. I go down the steps on the way out of the building. And there it was on the steps. It had fallen out of my wheelie. Oh, and wow. after that, I was very, very careful to always make sure now I zip up that front compartment of my wheeling. I don't care how short of a distance I'm going.
0: I think there was a moment. I remember you. I remember you telling me when I was a kid, Um, because I think I did the same thing as you did when you were a kid, where I was holding like a cup of milk or something. You had a cup of coffee. And someone asked us, like, asked me, like, what time it was. And I went like this to look at my time <laughs> and spilled everything. I think I remember you were telling me you did that too when we were kid. When you were a kid,
1: yeah, we were. I was ten years old. I was holding a cup of hot chocolate, and we were in this beautiful model house because my parents were trying to buy a, another house. Uh huh. We, we need to move from the from from the city, and th- th- this model house had this beautiful white carpet. Oh gosh! Fortunately, I wasn't standing on the white carpet. I was standing on the um, the linoleum shell. Mm-hmm. That As you come into uh, in the foyer, she came into the house and I was holding a cup of coffee like this. I had a watch on. My mother says to me, what time is it? And I go, oh. <laughs> I mean,
0: I, I know I also had the moment.
1: Unfortunately, the hot chocolate missed the white carpet. <laughs> I,
0: I, I know there's also like a moment where like, at least for me, I was looking for my glasses and I was wearing them. Looking yeah. for my hat and I was wearing them.
1: There was one time your father says to me, where are my pajama bombs? I said, you're wearing them. Yeah, that's
0: funny. <laughs> That's really funny. You know,
1: even says that time like that, or um, "Where's my cell phone?" You're holding it. Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> I at one point like, "Oh, I'm just going to call my cell phone to figure out where it is," and you, and you realize it's like in your back pocket or something. <laughs> you know, it's just I right, just being forgetful. It's, well, I
1: re- I remember the day when they had the find the portable phone that came out when they first oh, yeah. came out with portable phones. The technology wasn't totally perfected, so you misplaced that portable phone you misplaced it man later on they came up with this button that you could press on the home you know on the um on the carrier and the portable phone would would buzz off would you know would would ring so that you know you could find it easily. but there was there was an episode i think of what was it friends or something where they misplaced the portable phone somewhere in the apartment and they were all looking into the cushions of the cats, they're looking all over for it. They, they couldn't find it.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah, I think I think I remember I remember the pagers, the pager for the phone for those portable phones was like really good. Because before then we had everything, it was always connected. You know, we had those long, you know, wires and whatnot. And you had to have um, long cords.
1: was something funny, there was this girl um I was friends with and when she was talking on the phone, she would take the wire for the phone, and as she was talking, she would actually dance with it. She'd ah. go under it and uh, go under <laughs> it and around, and, and go like this while she's talking on the phone, <laughs> getting your exercise while you're talking on the phone.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I think I, I'm trying to think. Also, like in school, just being forgetful, or or I don't know, because in school it's kind of frustrating because they really try to focus on memorization, spitting out. Like you can't do. It's like. Lemude Kodesh was more critical thinking, but Lemude Chol, like regular studies, like non-Jewish studies, it was a lot of memorization, and for me, I always found it frustrating. Um, I think there, there was a trick though that one uh, one teacher taught me, and it had this. It was a, it was a game that it would play, um, and the whole point of the game was memorization. But I say something, and then you repeat it, and then it, the 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 repetition the the, the subject gets longer and longer and longer and you have mm-hmm. to say it and see how long can you go and we like everybody in our class we start doing that we start learning more and more of how to memorize and it goes it goes a little like this repeat after me one hen
1: oh do you know who did that for a comedy routine what jerry lewis
0: jerry lewis okay
1: jerry was the comedian used to do that um for a for his comment for one of his comedy routines with um there was one time i think he was he was before johnny carson came on the scene Jerry lewis was the host for um one of the late night variety shows Mm -hmm. and he would have guests that he would interview so one time he had like a group of guests and he did that with them to see how far they could go like yeah what, five lim- I remember the five limerick oysters that I remember yeah uh, six six pairs of Sassoon's shears uh- <laughs> it's Don's uh,
0: Donald, yeah 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 and, th- and that's all, That's how we started to memorize because um, in school we had to memorize all of the U.S. presidents
1: uh-huh. all
0: 50 states um, uh-huh. the entire map of Europe um, you know we had to memorize everything and I have to. I would. The tricks I would do is, if I was reading something and I had to memorize it. I I was. I luckily was able to, on my own time, stay in a classroom alone, mm-hmm. read uh, read the history book. And if something was interesting, or I knew like, oh, my teacher would ask me about this, I would write it down. And then what I would memorize, is I would I would read it, and then I try to summarize it, and sh- summarize it as short as possible, mm-hmm. and then turn it into an icon or a picture. Mm-hmm. And then sure, I'd draw the picture, idea. and then I'd have myself memorize the pictures, and then from the pictures, I'd have the stories that would have the explanation for what was needed. So it'd be like, like I'd be a couple steps, but that's kind of how I would <laughs> like work in school. I that would was play smart. little games. Yeah.
1: That was very, very smart to do that. I used to put stuff to music. Really? I remember, there was one science test I had where there were certain... I think we had to memorize certain elements that, I don't know, had... um. Oh, the on the periodic chart that had um something with uh, seven ions or something. I don't exactly remember all the all the um elements. All I remember was I put it into bickaflemmazink, bickaflemmazink, zinc. Oh, was It was, was bickaflemm. i forgot You know, <laughs> what, um, what all the elements were. But um, there was a a man years ago when I was in high school. Um, his name was um. Tom Lear mm-hmm. And he came out with an album. He was a professor at one of the Ivy League schools. He was I think it was I think it was a professor of physics or something, one of the Ivy League, Ivy League schools. And he used to take all these interesting concepts and put them to the most hysterical songs. And it, he, he, he produced an album with, yeah, you know he gave concerts and he produced an album with one of the songs. and one of the songs on the album, was the entire periodic chart in the song that he wrote.
0: You know what that reminds me of? Um, Do you remember the Animaniacs?
1: Sure I do. Yes, I do. So
0: they had a a song called uh, Song Around the World, Yakko's Song Around the World. And it would be a song that Yakko, one of the characters, would sing every single country. And I only remember the first part but it goes, United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. And then it goes like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> so it went all over. And like people like listen to the song, like memorize every word and know every uh-huh. country. And it's just like, I think when it comes to education and people are finally wising up to it, where it's mm-hmm. not about memorization, it's about definitely about entertainment and using critical thinking to entertain yourself to understand what's going on.
1: But the thing is, you know, um, as an educator, yeah, this has been a debate. Um, it's been going back and forth because I remember, well, when I went to college in the 70s, that's when um, a lot of educators wanted to get away from this constant, constant rote memorization and get more into critical thinking and creativity. Mm-hmm. And I found as a teacher, you know something, you need both. You need a balance memorization you need memorization to get the basic skills now memorization is very good discipline for the brain it really is I mean um people who train themselves to memorize um, really can I know heart keep their brains very active and like you see sometimes on YouTube there's this guy that goes around to college campuses and he will ask the simplest of questions about United States history or about you know what you know like some sort of subject very simple elementary things like and co- he's got there are college kids who don't know basic knowledge like he he's he went around to this one college campus and um how many states are there in the United States uh 50 49 uh 51 uh there the numbers of people who did not know that was staggering he also would he also went recently on youtube he had where he went to college campuses and asked people who was the first president of the united states
0: i think what happens a lot of times is Mm -hmm. that and i I, i've seen this and it's happened to me where people ask me questions but it's like a lot of pressure where there's a camera in front of you things like that you'll stumble you're like your brain's gonna freeze like at one point there's i let me let me explain there's this guy. There's this guy mm-hmm. on True TV. His name is Billy on the Billy Ile, not Billy Ile, Uh Billy Eichner. It's called Billy on the Street. And he mm-hmm. asks people very simple questions, but he yells at them for it, and they stammer they don't know. Like one of them was, "Name me a woman." And she's ta- he's talking to a woman. he's like, "Name me a woman. What? What? Any woman?" She's like, oh, "I I don't know. I don't know." Like it's just the pressure <laughs> of of like, you, you on might, TV yeah. yelling at someone. Yeah. And that's the whole point. That's why, like, I don't care for those kind of videos. Uh-huh. Trying to be like, oh, look how stupid these people are. Like, no, it's probably the pressure. It's probably people, like, panicking and trying to, like, come up with some kind of answer quickly. But if you had them on, like, a regular day where they were just relaxing and someone making conversation, they would definitely know the answer. You know? That might be,
1: well, that might be part of it. But when I talk to, um, like, friends and relatives who are working in the public school system now. Mm-hmm. There is some, there are some districts where these kids are not learning, and they they don't know the basics. They don't know who the first president of the United States was. They they don't know they don't know how many states were in the United States. It's you know, well, I, know the,
0: I know Baltimore we'll City. I think it's that it has a average GPA of one point five graduating. Mm-hmm. I I think I saw that like this year. It was it was devastating, but the average Baltimore City. Um, a graduate, high school graduate has a one
1: point five GPA. I was talking to, as a matter of fact, one of your sisters who works in the um public school system, and um I asked her, "Is it as bad as they say it is?" She goes, "Worse." She says she cannot get over how these kids are not learning history. They're not learning anything with social studies. They're not learning any real skills. They're, you know, I was taught this was. I'll tell you is a conversation I had once. This is, oh, this has to be back in the year. I think it had to be around 2000 or so, maybe a little bit before 2000. It had to be like late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I ran into, um, I got into a conversation with this, um, with this black lady. And I don't know, we were talking about our kids, whatever. And she told me, she says, she's, you know, she says, I'm in the real dilemma. She says, my little girl is in second grade. I was sending her to the public school. She was not coming home with any reading skills, any math skills, no spelling skills. All she was coming home with was this leftist propaganda, this you know politically correct propaganda, she said to me. So she said, I took her out. I put her in a private school. And she said, I can't get over the difference in just one year. She's reading. She's spelling. She's writing. She's the problem is this private school is a lot of money, and I don't know if I can afford it another year. So... I said to her, well, tell me, what was the name of the public school, which public school are you sending her to? I was expecting, I hate to say it, that's going to sound prejudiced, I was expecting some inner city Baltimore school, whatever. No. It was one of what I thought was like the more, how can I say it, the,
0: the more advanced,
1: the more yeah. advanced um, elementary schools in Baltimore County, and a nice area of Baltimore County. Oh, wow. And I was like shocked. And so I, um, the advice I gave her was, you know what? I said, whatever you can do to afford that private school, whether it's drive your car another year, cut out restaurants, cut out movie theaters, you know, um, you know, do you know?
0: Coffee a day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, uh, you know, not buy, not buy as many new clothes. You know, I said, whatever you can do to afford that private school, you do. Because I said, because 20 years from now, when you have an intelligent, professional, young woman as your daughter, you're not going to think of the money. Yeah. But you put her back into that cesspool of a public school system. And we, you know she wasn't learning anything. And she continues to learn nothing. And she gets into trouble. You are going to want to kick yourself every time you look in the mirror. You
0: know, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember sixth grade. We had, we had a problem with the math teachers uh, in my grade. We had like five, six math teachers just running through the, uh, uh, the classrooms. Like they couldn't handle the class. Class couldn't handle the teacher. And finally, they had one teacher that was able to like, I guess, handle the class. But what it was, was she was just babysitting us. Mm. Like we weren't doing anything. She wasn't teaching. She was just sitting there and just letting us run amok And we were just being a bunch of dumb kids, like a bunch of sixth graders. And Mm -hmm. I remember we went to, we went, had a math class the next year. And like, I was barely keeping up, which is a simple times tables and additions tables. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really bad. Um, But it was funny because when I was in college, I was surprised how many people really didn't know certain things or couldn't keep up. Like I was, I was in the bachelor's program. <laughs> and i was shredded by people that like i didn't feel challenged i didn't feel like i, I was going anywhere um i felt really really bored um mm-hmm. with the co- with the college uh education there um
1: i know what you're talking about cuz i remember when i was in i when i was um in you know i went all the way from algebra 1 to trig to um Mm -hmm. and then when I got to college they put me in just you know all I needed was two years uh it was was, you know it was actually one year of a one block of a math course college math whatever you know yeah it was algebra one and algebra those two algebra one and algebra two which I had had in seventh and eighth grade of course I aced it but you know I didn't I didn't learn anything I just I just took it for the credit
0: I mean, that—that's what's so funny. I feel like for me, high school was more difficult than college.
1: I had that too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it's like the schedule was like high school was seven thirty to eight thirty. You know, like thirteen hour days, just like you had like a couple breaks here and there. It was a thirteen hour day in school, like having to study and work and all that stuff. Then I go to college, and it's like you have maybe you have four classes. It's spaced out. Each class is like an hour long, within a, a a span of a week, and then like it only goes for like about three months, at, for six months out of the year, about three and a half months in, in the fall and three and a half months in the spring, you know, and it was just like the easiest breeze that 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 I felt.
1: I've I mean, heard that from a lot of Jewish kids who have gone, you know, Beis Yaakov and T.A. and, you know, the yeshiva system, all say the same thing. That yeah. compared, to, compared to what they had in Beis Yaakov and T.A., it's like college for a lot of these kids is just a breeze.
0: Yeah, you run through it because it's just like, it's also, that's why I really like the Jewish educational part of T.A., where you're sitting down, learning Gemara, you're learning how to have a conversation. You're learning to how to have critical thinking. Your your voice is heard somewhat, you know, and they they make you fall in love with learning for the sake of learning. You know, I remember in 12th grade um, for my Hebrew studies, I never got an exam. And I still, early in the morning, went to school and and was studying for four hours a day, you know, with a, with learning Gemara. And at one point I stopped my teacher, my rabbi, and be like, hey, we haven't had a test this whole year. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And like it, it dawns <laughs> on me like, oh, we're just learning for the sake of learning. They're not we're not having an exam because I was really like having fun going through it. And like it teaches you a lot of critical thinking mm-hmm. um, and a lot of actually action- entrepreneurship because you have this idea where you need to get to point A to point B. So you find the most efficient way, but you're not necessarily need- needing to like follow some kind of order. You're just doing what you can to get to the last, you know, the last part. Uh, of of your, your mission, so to speak. You know?
1: Well, I think it's interesting too, is that when um, I, um, remember one time, you know, occasionally I've sat in like on different, like, Gamorsha Urim. Now you can go online, you know, you mm-hmm. can, there's dot org where they have Rambam and everything. And when you first start learning this stuff, especially for a girl, we're used to like, okay, well, what's the bottom line? what's the punchline yeah. and you're hearing all these like different opinions you go wait a minute but that's not what we do today in judaism we don't do anything like that and and someone explained to me no you don't understand when you learn rambam you learn more you these are opinions that the great rubem have and they like bounce it back and forth and debate it and discuss it real someone explained to me you know actual Jewish law, like we follow, is Shokanarach, which happened hundreds of years later and also went through its own evolution. And yeah. in many in some aspects is, is continuing with, with technology and everything is, you know, is continuing. I had a conversation with this woman the other day. We were talking about how technology and the glow and globalism is pushing Halakha like beyond what you know, like beyond how can I say it, like to the very limits, because there are so many unique and different situations we're dealing with now. We were and we were talking like you know, like Shabbos, like your brother was telling me, um there was um one time he was flying on Thursday from Hong Kong to New York. And when you fly from Hong Kong to New York, this plane went over the Arctic Circle, you know, over the North Pole and down goes like this, you know, instead of like across the Pacific Ocean, it goes up. So he says there were two hours where they flew through a part of Mongolia. That because the international date line was Friday night. Mm. So for those two hours. Your brother told me what he had to do is he had to make sure he went to the bathroom before those first two hours, because you're know, on a plane, when you go into the bathroom, you lock the door, the light goes on. He had to make sure he went to the bathroom. He had to make sure whatever he needed, um whatever papers he needed, put away all his pens and pencils, um whatever he needed to be ripped or opened. He had to rip or open it. And he had to just sit there quietly in his seat and hardly, you know, not do too much for the two hours they were flying over this part of, Mongolia I think what happened was we were talking this woman was telling me because of the international date line she was telling me that there was a member of her family who almost wound up having to observe two days of Shabbos one oh, after wow. the other <laughs> so she tried to explain to me how it happened I don't know but so I it think... turned out he didn't, he didn't have to but he almost he almost had to
0: I think I've heard something like that and the reason why is because I think by Australia it's the day after and past it a certain area a certain location it's the day of
1: yeah i think that was what happened. So so yeah.
0: it's it's this technicality that if you cross into australia at a certain time it's that that's where you have like Shabbos for two days um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. kind of the idea you know i think it's I, I'm seeing more and more of like footsteps of Mashiach um as time goes by. Like I saw this one comedian say something that's very profound on a Hasidic level. Um and I think I posted it up on the family WhatsApp, but I don't think you opened it. Um it was the comedian said, It's hard to relax from a nap when your soul is tired. <laughs> and oh. like That hits on a Mashiach level, where Uh it's like we all know we're all our souls are tired. We're just waiting for the Gula, because we just and we're just going by the skin of our teeth because like we have nothing else to do. Like we're just so exhausted.
1: But uh, and and what I understand though is like they say you know doctors will tell you that anxiety levels are up, you know, um, since about the 1980s. But what I understand is there are, certain, there are so many aspects of our lives that are actually getting so much easier.
0: Yes. And the, so, what, what's yeah. happening...
1: Because yeah. of technology. Why are we, where are I, we gonna- <laughs> my, so anxious?
0: My theory is uh, two things. One, our bodies are finally slowing down to catch up with everything. And that finally, after all these thousands of years, all the generational trauma, it's finally cu- catching up with us. Because we're slowing down. I I Do you know what I mean by that?
1: Uh, not quite. Try again. Okay. Sorry.
0: So, somebody, somebody who has gotten shot, and they need to get to a medic. They can run with the adrenaline to get to the medic. Uh-huh. But once they stop and get to the medic, and the adrenaline wears off, the pain uh-huh. kicks in.
1: I've heard that that when adrenaline is running you don't feel pain. Yeah.
0: yeah. So mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. essence mm-hmm. we're finally finding tools to slow us down to to give us time to catch our breath and these tools are getting us to really feel the pain. Mm. And that's why we have to go through you know therapy and the medication things like that to work through these problems. So the next generation won't have these issues or at least have less issues.
1: I think I know what you're talking about. It's like when someone, that happened like in the, when you read books about, you know, people surviving the Holocaust, while they were going through it, they didn't have time to really process what was happening. They were just, the adrenaline was running. They were just working on survival. It was after everything was over and they were finally in a safe place that, like you said, they had time to settle and to sit down and to now they could, now they started to process the reality of what happened. And that's when a lot of them really, you know, needed serious psychiatric help and, you know, and, you know, kicked into a, you know, this P it was a PSTD. PTSD. 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 Although, um, did we, um, I don't know if you did this on a podcast. I told you about the book I read by Eva. Um, Eva, I think her name is, um, her last name was Iger. Dr. Eva Iger, I think that's her last name. She um, she was the one, she specializes in PTSD. And as a matter of fact, the United States government employed her as a, this top psychologist to work with the armed forces. And she, in conjunction, she was in contact with um Victor Frankel, mm-hmm. who also was a survivor of Auschwitz. They contacted each other through mail and they like she, so, you know, he developed his logotherapy. And she also, based on his logotherapy, she developed her own form of therapy for people who were going through, you know, trauma. And she yeah. In her book, she of course she talks about her family. In this book, she talks about um, I think it was an IGRA or Iger, I'm trying to think of the last name, sorry, but um, and she talks about like what they went through and what she went through afterwards and how she you know got her education and her you know PhD and everything and um developed you know the, her therapy, which was very very successful. But she says she does not like the term PS, PSTD,
0: PTSD.
1: <laughs> my, my dyslexia is ke- ke- kicking in PTSD she doesn't like that she goes post Post-traum- traumatic syndrome disorder
0: post traumatic stress, stress disorder.
1: disorder she does not like the term disorder mm-hmm. that it. she says, it's not a disorder it's actually a natural reaction that everybody has that every human being has to a stressful situation it's, and she goes it's normal You've got to be some sort of stoical, cold piece of stone not to have that after going through some sort of trauma. And, you know, that's what she bases her, you know, therapy on.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That this is a normal process and basically helping people to go through this normal process.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, again, that's what people are talking about nowadays when it comes to processing everything. It's not about victimizing yourself understanding that you were a victim and then working through that problem, and then hopefully coming out better on uh, on the other end, you know,
1: that's true. That's true. But the i like you said, the irony is like you said about like victimization is, you know, we're living at a time where the most of the victimization is finished. I mean, it's... okay, yeah, there is some that's going on today, but for the most part
0: that no that that's true that's true Mm -hmm. but um i guess we're a little out of time so i guess we'll talk about it uh next episode thank you for listening to jewish boy calls his mother please comment and subscribe on our facebook page youtube channel and instagram i would greatly appreciate it and my mother would too